Good morning, guys. Yeah, I'm recording at like 8.40. So it's really in the morning. <laughs> so CB phase two, getting really busy. We got a slot in the morning recording. But today's episode is actually inspired by one of our live discussions. All right, so during our recent live discussion, which you can find on Facebook, which is our Facebook page, The Financial Coconut, someone actually asked about unit trust. Right? What do I think of unit trust and what's going to happen for unit trust? And when I thought about it, I was like, oh my, after so long of doing this podcast, we've not talked about unit trust. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One of the most paddled product out there. <laughs> so super happy today. We're going to spend some time to share with you my thoughts. You know, essentially why I don't buy unit trust. So good morning everyone, I welcome you to another day with The Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. Today's topic, why I don't buy unit trust. And that's for you to decide, stay tuned. Okay, so unit trust. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Where to start? How do we start this? Essentially, when you look at unit trust, right, we cannot deny that it is one of the most pushed product out there in the retail space, right? Retail like us, you and I, right? Average individual, we're not uh, accredited investors. We are not you know, institutional people, we are just laymen, day-to-day, we own a job, we live our life and we want to manage our finances. So then we buy some investment products because everyone say you need to invest, right? Then we buy some investment product. So most of us either get our investment tools from insurance agents uh, or the banks. Uh, These days, there are more and more digital platforms. So that's cool. But for many of us who have gotten our investment settled through our agents, um, which is quite a lot of people, that's what I realize. Um, what they usually sell you, it's unit trust or some compound product on top of unit trust. I'm going to begin today's episode by just kind of sharing with you how is a unit trust put together. Right, so some of you might have heard this because you followed some of our long-form discussions. For those who have not heard this, uh, I think this will be super useful in helping you understand uh, why unit trust exists, how, how does it work, right? So essentially, most of the investment tools out there, right? Most of the investment uh, products that you can come across, they are all anchored on some fundamental products, right? Which are like stocks or equities, um, bonds, Right, or debt-based investments, or commodities, whether it's oil, gold, metals, whatever. Right, of course, uh, these days, there are compound products built on property also. But generally, it is stocks, bonds, and commodities. So these are your you know, 
for lack of a better way to put it, your pure products, right? They are the pure investment tools. And then what happens is you have all these kind of fund houses, all these fund managers, uh, whatever fund out there, the big ones, small ones, a lot of different fund houses. I'm sure you've heard of um, different names, whether it's PIMCO, Aberdeen, um, uh, what have you, right? A lot of different, different uh, fund houses. What they do is they will form an investment ideology, right? So they have a certain belief, whether they believe in like building index funds or whether do they believe in a, a kind of managed uh, product where it's balanced between bonds and stocks, whatever they believe, they have an investment ideology. And given the investment ideology, they will go to the stock market or the bond market or like the commodities market and pick, 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 and they package it together to build a fund that is based on the ideology. Okay, so these funds can be called hedge funds, mutual funds, or even ETFs, which are electronic traded funds that you can buy and sell directly on the exchanges. So they just come in different forms, uh, but generally, these are what funds are, right? They are a compound product built from an investment ideology by a certain fund house. And based on the ideology, they go to the stock market, the bond market, the commodities market to pick whatever they feel works, Okay. So then where does unit trust come in? So a lot of these funds, unless they are exchange-traded funds, which gives you, you know, very easy access, traditionally a lot of these funds are sold to institutions. Institutions like your banks, your insurance companies, you know, um, they sell them to these institutions. These institutions then buy those kind of funds and then chop it up into units, that's why it's called unit trust. And when they chop it up into small little little units, they sell it to you. And that's what you get, unit trust. Essentially, that is the idea. Of course, there are a lot of intricacies in between, but you want to understand the basic understanding of a unit trust. It is essentially a chopped up fund or, or chopped up amalgamation of different funds that the final retail seller is trying to sell you. These sellers are usually your banks, your retail banks. Like the, the guy, when you open a bank account, then he would ask you, oh, so are you investing your money somewhere? You know, that kind of, the, kind of, the, 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 the experience. I'm sure many people have the experience that I'm like, oh, I just want to open a bank account. Just don't sell me anything. Faster open my bank account. I got I to gotta go. <laughs> but that is one, one uh, very prominent retail channel. And of course, through a lot of the uh, insurance agents, they do carry a lot of these kind of funds on top of their savings saving plans and all those kind of stuff. So why am I so against, you know, uh, unit trust? You know, why do I not support it? Right? I, don't, I don't own it. So essentially means I don't support it. And the first, very first reason, right? It is a highly, highly complex product. What you see a lot of times on those kind of marketing brochures, right? Unit trust, they all have marketing brochure, right? And when they give you a marketing brochure, more or less, it's the same thing, right? They will draw you some graph and then show you that they have done very, very well over the past 10 years, you know, how much, how much returns. And then they will show you, uh, they'll write like two paragraphs of their investment ideology. And then they will show you a little bit of uh, what is in the trust, right? What is within the trust and uh, it can be different funds or it can be different stocks that are shown, right? But they only show you maybe like top 10 or top 20 of the composition within the trust, which very often uh, makes up less than 20-30% of the fund, right? So imagine you got a brochure and then they got two liner and then show you one chart they're doing very, very well and they only tell you about 20-30% of what is going on in this thing, right? What are they actually buying? The remaining 60-70%, they don't tell you. 
Like, hey, uh, so what actually am I buying? And then you ask the agent or you ask whoever that's trying to sell you, they cannot give you much um, understanding. Number one, of course, because many of us are not deep in the sector, so we don't actually have the kind of comprehension. So for all of them to, even if they know and they want to explain to you, it's very, very long, very draggy, right? But the truth is, right, many of them don't know. They don't know what they're selling, right? They are merely salespeople and they sell you based on what their top line tell them, right? what their manager tell them, what their financial managers tell them. That Okay, this is this is uh, the why we are doing this. This is the perk of the fund, da-da-da-da-da. So they have a certain sales pitch and they will teach their sales agent that sales pitch and then that sales agent will just pitch you. Lah. When you ask them to dig deeper, show you what is all within the fund, they'll tell you, oh, sorry, we cannot show you everything. Right? It's a secret or whatever. So, okay, so it's a secret. Then it's okay, lah. I move on. Lah. This is not for me because I don't know what I'm buying. And to me, that is extremely scary. Buying to something that I only know 20-30% of what is going on. And their selling angle would usually be, oh, let the professionals do it for you. You know, you don't need to be so headache and all those kind of stuff, which is fair. I think it's a fair statement. Um, a lot of financial professionals are in the space and they do take care of you if you're with the good funds or with uh, you actually, how do I put it? Um, if they make money, then it's considered good, right? A lot of people look at it that way, right? But... Um, it's definitely more sophisticated than that. We can talk about this another time. My biggest qualm is just that for many of us that think investing in stocks is complicated, investing in bonds is complicated, investing in commodities is complicated, but then we somehow have this idea that investing in unit trust is very easy. Ma. Just look at the chart law, their history, very good. Then, you know, um, uh, yeah, yeah, then they're okay already. <laughs> in actuality, if you don't, if, if you even find stocks, bonds, commodities very complicated, then trusts are even more complicated. There are lots of complexity within you know, the product itself that you don't even see. The person selling you don't even know. So am I against compound products? I'm not. Right? I'm not against compound products. I do think that for most of us retail investors that we don't want to spend a lot of time learning how to pick stocks and learning how to trade and all this kind of stuff. I think a lot of compound products are in the market to help us invest and stay broadly diversified. So that is cool. But I don't want to buy into something that I don't even know what is diversified in. And when we look at this thing, of course we can go on and on. It's like how much do you know to consider good enough? And at what point do you feel that it is comfortable to invest in something? You know, this is an endless discussion. I think for most of us as retail investors, we will never fully appreciate the complexity of financial products. They are very complicated, uh, like it or not, right? But for me, because of the complexity and the inability for a lot of these kind of salespeople to share with me why I should even buy this thing, other than just showing me the charts, make me very uncomfortable. I'm not willing to go into something like that. Of course, there are more reasons and I bring you to reason number two. Unit trusts actually charge very high fees compared to what is out there today. We'll talk about this afterward from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What do I mean by very high fees? Uh, the truth is, it is relative, right? I think there was a period of time maybe their fees were not that high because compared to what is outside other products, maybe, okay, I never checked the history and everything. But compared to the options out there today, they are considered very high fees. For all of you who want to geek it out and actually see the fee structure and those kind of stuff, this is where I got my information from. You just go to Google and search unit trust fees and uh, go to moneysense.gov.sg. Right? So moneysense.gov.sg, this is where I get my information from. Of course, you can go and geek it out and search one by one, different, different trusts. I'm sure the fee structures are different across different companies, different uh, sellers and different trusts. But broadly speaking, all right, subscription fees are at about 1.5 to 5%. Right? And then there's a sales fee or redemption fee. So subscription means you buy, right? Every time you buy, buy the fund or buy the trust, you have to pay about 1.5 to 5% to subscribe to it. Sales fees or redemption fees are when you sell you know, whatever you have, that's another one to 5%, right? And then they have those kind of switching fees, you know, some, some trusts allow you to switch to another product, that will be another percent, and then, you know, upfront charges of 2 to 3% for administration and da-da-da, those kind of stuff. So it's like, my goodness, buying and selling it adds together close to 10%. Okay, maybe not all funds are like that. I just want to make it clear that some funds are definitely cheaper than others, but, Broadly speaking, at 5 to 10% for transaction alone, you know, to buy and sell, it's just too expensive for me. Lah. I, I cannot handle it because when you look at it, it is seriously eating into my profits. On top of, you know, I don't even know exactly what I'm investing. You're sucking a lot out of my profits. And the reality is many of them are not really doing much. Right, like you get all these different fees and everything to pay all the middle people in between, and they're not really doing much, in my view. And I'm sure you've heard the idea of compounding, right? A lot of people talk about compounding growth, but fees actually compound also because if they keep charging you two, three percent every year, it compounds over ten years, right? The two, three percent is on top of whatever that's going on, right? So it's 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 crazy. I'm not a Cheapo, okay. Maybe I'm a cheapskate in other ways, but I'm I'm not a cheapo when it comes to paying people, right? I'm I'm okay to pay people as long as I feel like they're doing the work or I feel there is value in paying um, based on essentially work done. Uh, you got chokang, right? I'm, I'm okay to to pay, right? But the the problem here when I look at it is you're charging me such high amount of fees relative to what is out there today, and you're actually not doing much. Right, you're not doing much, right? It's not like the fund manager every day is trying to change up the composite, or it's not like the agent every day is doing something. You know, you're just charging me an ongoing fee for not doing much, and I don't like that, lah. And in today's context, I don't need to stay. I'm just gonna share with you a short little story. Uh, so one day I was waiting for a friend at Mid Valley, right? So in KL, Mid Valley, and. They're late, of course. <laughs> Malaysian always late, uh, very bad. Uh. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So somehow there was an investment fair in Mid Valley. So I went up there and I walked around. So I went to every booth uh, to look at the different funds and look at you know the different technology out there, what is going on essentially in the Malaysian you know, financial uh, sector. And I went to a few fun booths, right? Uh, I will not name who. 
And I asked them, well, what about your fees? You know, aren't they very expensive? Then the first thing they tell me, ah, yeah, don't look at fees. Fees are not important. You know, I'm like, bro, fees are extremely important. <laughs> but you look at this, right? You'll be like, oh, damn, this person is really trying to sell me very hard. I'm trying to present the plus points of what they have, but not addressing the downsides. Like, Why should I pay you more fees? Right? You cannot give me a reason, then I'm not paying. Which brings me to my third point. Why I don't use unit trust today is because there are many better products out there today. In my view, on many levels better, right? They're better in, in, in terms of investment returns based on track records. And they're better in terms of much lower fees. And they're better in terms of like user engagement, right? So some of these things are like robo-advices, are like index funds, right? Uh, which you can get straight away off the exchanges like ETF index funds. And even endowment plans are honestly, I think it's better than trust. But I will not talk about endowment plans today. I will talk about them another time. Right. I'm not saying that I'm pro-endowment plans, but in my view, I have some idea why I feel they are something that I will consider rather than unit trust. I think a better comparison for this week's episode is probably robo-advices or like directly buying index funds off the exchanges. So you need to understand that in the past, uh, during like maybe your grandparents' days or your parents' like 20s, 30s, right? So that'll be like 30 years ago. Technology is not a thing. So when people wanted to buy the stocks or whatever that they want to buy that is directly in the exchange, they have to call the brokers. So when they call the brokers, uh, it's quite uh, blunt. If you don't have a lot, they don't entertain you because they are making money by the minute. Whoever calls in, uh, the more cash that the callers have, essentially they make more commission because bigger transactions. Right, so if you have like 10, 20, 30,000, nobody really wants to engage you. All these brokers, right, they're handling big money at that point in time. So, yeah, what can you do? You can only get access to like endowment plans. You can get access to like unit trusts, mutual funds, fixed deposit, you know, those kind of stuff. At that point in time, it was a thing because all your supposedly like uh, like good products like in the stock market and everything, you don't get access to it because you're just too small for a lot of these guys to entertain. But today, today is a different world. Your technology has changed the whole landscape. Everybody has easy access to the stock market with digital brokers. Everybody have, you know, these kind of uh, robo-advisors that can help you do a lot of these things at sub-fees, you know, very cheap, point-something percent, right? So, when I look at it, there are just better products out there because of technology and specifically index funds, broad-based index funds. And I did an episode about that. Definitely check out that. And definitely consider robo-advisors because I personally feel that they are doing very similar things as to what a traditional unit trust is doing, but with a much better user engagement with a digital feed and they ask you more relevant questions. And fraction of the fees, point something percent, you know? So it helps. It definitely helps you to compound over time. Low fees, important. So because of that, I think the landscape has changed. Why do I still need unit trust? And like it or not, the game will change. As you go along, these kind of trusts, they will also upgrade and change themselves. And we wait to see. But at this moment in time, I think there are better products out there. So I sum up today with the three pointers why I do not 
you know, fancy unit trust, I don't buy it. Number one is because it is a highly complex product. There's just so many components in this thing that honestly, I think most of us don't even understand what we are buying when we go into this. Number two is they charge very high fees, right? Easily 5 to 10% for the whole transaction. And number three is that in today's landscape with technology, there are much, much, much better product out there, namely robo-advisors and index funds. So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you would share what you gain with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. Together, I hope we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group. Reach out to us on Facebook. Everything is in the description below. If you enjoy our podcast and feel you want to keep us growing, stay independent, do buy us a Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Test, test. Hey guys, um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I didn't felt like we really need to talk about unit trust until one of our live sessions and someone asked a question. So kudos to you guys. Um, Definitely keep asking us some questions so that we know how to create relevant content for you. So join our community telegram group, join our Facebook discussion group, and let's see where things go for next week, right? Next week, we're going to spend some time to talk a little bit about how do I choose my personal finance managers, right? So whether is it like robo-advisor or whether it's an insurance agent, property agent, there's always some sort of fundamental principles in terms of how do I choose some of these people. And yeah, so I decided that, you know, if I always tell people that I don't believe in like DIY everything, right? Where I believe in, we should, we should learn enough to choose our managers, then yeah, I should do an episode about it. So next week, we're going to talk about three pointers that um, I kind of do you know, when I'm trying to look out for my personal finance managers. So continue to spread the word, connect us with more people, and we hope to see you next week. Take care.